Good morning again. A lot of good things happening this summer and the way that you and I stay on track in the moments of that summer kind of vacation mindset is you dig into God's Word. And we're going to do that together throughout this summer. We're going to walk through the book of Ephesians all summer long. So we're going to basically take it verse by verse, walk through each part of it. And so I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, even throughout the course of this summer, I, I know that this is going to feed your spirit and bring life to you as we think about the fall and all things next. We are gearing up as a church to really make sure that everything is back online this fall. You even saw today as you walked in, if you parked in the back, we told you we were going to fix the place. We told you we were going to take care of God's house. We said that's what we were going to do. And we stepped up as a church and we raised $100,000 to get the work moving. And we committed, part of the church committed, 150000 over three years through pledges. Now we still have a lot of work to do. We still have a lot to do, but we're going to do it and we're going to move forward. And it's funny because um, you might ask the question, well, um, how long has this been in develop, development? A long time. And sitting in this room and online, a lot of you have been involved in this process. And throughout the last year, there have been so many setbacks for all of us. But, you know, we have a choice to make. We can either stay stuck or we can commit to what we were going to do and move forward. And I think it's time for us to continue to move forward, right? So it's exciting the things that are ahead for us as a church. Students, we're really proud of you for all of our graduates. Um, life. Summer gives you this moment of recognizing the importance of life. You students going to camp. Last year you couldn't go to camp. This year you were able to. Um, even as we retrain leadership principles here at Calvary over the course of the summer, we're all about moving forward to what God has for us. And I think the book of Ephesians, as I looked at books that we could study together, the book of Ephesians is one of those books that really gets you to think about how important it is to be a part of the body of Christ that we call the church. Church is not just a building. Church is not just a place to go. As we walk through the book of Ephesians together, what you're going to see is that God has an eternal purpose to complete his body, which is the church. God has an eternal design to complete you as a believer in Christ to pull you into his body, which is the church. And there is nothing greater in God's mind than your salvation and your connection to other people who are saved, the Christian body, the church. And God's purpose to do that is very important in our lives. It's more than just a place to go or a box to check. It's about God's purpose for you. As an individual, it's about God's design for you as a person. And as we dive into the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to Christians. And he writes it to people who would be around Christians. Because becoming a part of the family of God through faith in Jesus means something way more than going to church. The letter that we're going to look at. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes this letter from prison in Rome. He's under, at this point, perhaps house arrest. 
He's surrounded by soldiers. He can't leave Rome. He's one of the emperor's prisoners. And yet, in the midst of this, he writes to the church and the Christians, the followers of Jesus, those who claim the name of Christ, he writes to them in Ephesus. This letter that we go through, as a matter of fact, written to Ephesus is very important. Ephesus was one of the top three economic, political, and regional impact zones of the ancient world. Ephesus was the place that all commerce would travel through in Asia Minor. You might know that as modern-day Turkey. It's a whole region. And Ephesus controlled that region. So the letter that you and I are about to study throughout this summer, and we're going to read, this letter wasn't just written to a group of people and Christians in one location. This letter would impact all of that part of what we would know as Europe today. This one letter that we're going to study. That's how important it is. And the overarching theme is that God is going to do everything within his power to build and complete his body, which is the church. Now listen, that's how important it is, this Bible that we have, but this letter that we're going to read. And Ephesus actually was housed to one of the seven known wonders of the ancient world. The Artemis of the Ephesian or the Princess Diana, the Greek goddess, there was a temple and a theater built there. A theater that would seat 25,000 people. It had 127 columns that were 60 feet high. And by the way, this wasn't built with cranes, right? It wasn't built with modern day construction techniques. This was the ancient world. And this place where this letter goes is house to Christians who live in this community, who are a part of a worldwide trade empire. And you begin to read about people from Ephesus, like in Acts chapter 18, Aquila and Priscilla. Who were Aquila and Priscilla? Well, they were highly influential business people located in Ephesus. And they perhaps were the first people to finance and house the first church there in Ephesus. From which the gospel, the message of Jesus, the body of Christ, people who would have their hearts and lives changed by Christ would flow from this one location to that whole area of Europe. Fascinating. These are some of the backdrop details of the letter that we're going to read. So when we get to the first words that Paul would pen to these people, these believers, to the church, to the body of Christ. Let it sink in how big of a deal it is that even today you can read this letter and you, if you follow the Lord and you believe in him by faith and he is working in your life and in your heart and he's working to change you. Listen, the church has never been perfect because it's made up of imperfect people. But the church has always followed the one who is a perfect savior. His name is Jesus. And when you begin to see what Jesus does for you, the same thing that was promised for them. Honestly, when you read this letter, it makes you want to take more care of being a part of the body of Christ and being a part of a church. Graduates, as you go on to college, 
Find you a church and get plugged in. If you're hanging around the city, stay connected. You connect to the body of Christ because that's what God's purpose is for you. And we read together these first words. I'm only able to do an introduction, but we're going to take the whole letter this, this uh, summer, not this morning. And we're going to work through it together as we learn about really what it means to be a child of God. Today, I, I've called today's message, The Blessing of Salvation. When's the last time you thought about your salvation being saved, your soul being rescued from hell? Your soul being valued so much by God that he would forgive your sins through his son Jesus. And he would change your eternal destiny. Much less also because of that work so hard in this world to change your life. I call it today the blessing of salvation. And the apostle Paul, he writes this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace. With which he favored us in the beloved. In him, speaking of Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our wrongdoings. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according, according to his good pleasure, which he set forth in him, regarding his plan of the fullness of the times to bring all things together in Christ, things in the heavens, and things on the earth. In him we also have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him. Who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ. Would be to the praise of his glory. In him. You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a first installment of our inheritance 
in regard to the redemption of God's own possession. And all of this is to the praise of his glory. The introduction, the first 14 verses of chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. And all of that is about the blessing of what it means to be saved. Now I realize today language is so interesting. It changes. Some words were cool. Some words were understood at one point. And then words, they change and they're not cool or they're misunderstood at another point. But I want to tell you something as a church, as people who are around the things of God, some of you who personally very individually believe the things of God, you have claimed Jesus. And then for some, perhaps you're on the fringe, but yet you're close enough to kind of know who God is, believe in God and, and know that Jesus was perhaps the son of God, but you're still working through that. Let me, let me tell you something about the wording of scripture. It was always God's design that his children be saved. And that word is still a good word for you and I today. That word is still the word. The gospel of your salvation means that the good news that you are saved happened because God would do something great on your behalf through Jesus. Paul emphasizes this hard in these first 14 verses. And he drives it home about who God is. I want to give you this life lesson if you're taking notes today. And I want you to be able to focus this summer on how God really communicates very thoroughly how much he loves you, how much he wants us to be saved, and how much he wants us in the church doing his work and spreading that out to the world. And we're going to work through a lot of powerful, good verses. But as we start this morning, here's the life lesson. The blessing of salvation. The blessing of salvation. It's reserved for the children of God. Isn't that good? And it's reserved for the children of God. How? How do you, how do you get salvation? How is it reserved to you? For those who respond in faith toward his kindness in Jesus Christ. Salvation comes to you. You become a child of God. You are born again when you respond by faith. That's something that comes from the depth of your being. You trust your doctor to help you get well, right? You trust your boss to pay you, right? When you sit down, you trust and you hope that chair is gonna hold you up, right? These are things that we trust in normally. Why not exercise the same kind of trust in God, knowing that he's always going to come through for those who believe him. He's always going to rescue those who call on him. He is going to change your standing before him when by faith you ask Christ to cover your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength to save you. The blessing of salvation, it comes, it's reserved for the children of God who respond in faith toward his kindness in Jesus Christ. That's very important. Paul needed the church, the Christians, to understand this. Why? Because only when we as Christians grasp the power of that toward us, 
will we then be willing to share it with someone else? Because not everybody gets it. Matter of fact, a lot of people are working toward it and they need us in their life to guide them along the way to Christ, not to us, to Jesus. And by the way, a lot of people will say, hey, well, I know Christians, they're hypocrites, right? Everybody I know is a hypocrite, everybody. <laughs> That's what they made politicians for, right? The reality is you look at our world and you see that all around. There's this reality that everybody I know is made of dust has clay feet except Jesus, the Son of God. And Jesus applies his perfection and his salvation to anyone who would say, Jesus, not perfect, you are, save me. And it's that simple by faith. And that is reserved for those who believe. That is reserved for those who humble themselves and turn to him. And when we do that, we begin to understand it is a blessing to be saved. And it comes to us by faith because God is kind and because he shows us his kindness through Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about three things this morning in the introduction as we think about the letter that goes to the Ephesian church. And what's fascinating about this letter, if you look through Acts chapter 18, you'll see that Paul visited this place on his second missionary journey. And then he went back in Acts chapter 19 on his third missionary journey. And that wasn't a pleasant experience in Acts chapter 19. Because as he goes there and as people start to respond to God's kindness. As people start to respond that God is showing them mercy, grace, forgiveness, salvation in Jesus Christ. Then it created a political uproar. It created an economic upheaval. It created a challenge to the status quo of the belief systems that a lot of the masses continued to live under. Now, do you think that the letter of Ephesians is appropriate for us to look at today? As Paul goes into that moment and he begins to tell people about Jesus, here's what would happen. Acts chapter 19 is fascinating. There are people that not only get saved because they believe in Jesus, they get released from bondage. People begin to get released from the problems that they face and the spiritual battles that were going on around them. The culture of Ephesus worshipped Artemis, the goddess, over their region. And they worshipped her in another form known as Diana, one of the Greek goddesses in the pantheon of Greek deities that people believed in. That was the culture. But those gods could do nothing to help people deal with their problems. Matter of fact, it was as if all the people were created for the goddess's pleasure. And so it's fascinating because as Paul begins to talk about freedom in Christ, belief in Jesus, healing through Jesus' name, there are certain people that have demons come out of them. Certain people who were using their life to make money for other people, they come out of that. And when someone is set free from making money for someone else, it makes the person who they were making money for very mad. 
And so in Acts chapter 19, you have this. Matter of fact, people, as they began to believe in Jesus at Ephesus, they began to burn their books that were devoted to the foreign deities, to the, the gods that weren't helping them, that weren't on their side, that were just muses and thoughts in the whole process. They began to burn these things. As a matter of fact, there's a record of how much silver, all of the stuff that these people create, this great bonfire of all the trash in their life, and they burn it up. It was like 138 years worth of the average working person's wage, and they burned all of this up. But that's how committed people became to Christ at Ephesus, when he began to set them free from bondage. That's how real Jesus became to this church, to these people in Ephesus. And so much to the point that the political leaders and the business people were like, we got to get Paul out of here. We got to persecute these people because they're ruining our business and they're causing chaos in our government because they're turning to a ruler that we can't see, can't control, can't contain. These people are causing problems in Ephesus. Isn't that interesting? When Jesus begins to set people free and people begin to follow him because they get saved, other people get mad. Other people start calling them names and ridiculing them and singling them out and saying they're crazy and all this stuff. That's what happened. Guess what? Right after Jesus was crucified and went back to heaven and Paul's living through it. And guess what? It still happens today. So there's some important things that we can learn from the Christians then that will help us live as followers of Jesus today. Here's the first thing that helps me that stands out when I think about the blessing of salvation and how that comes to me, how that comes to you, how that comes to anyone who would respond to God's kindness toward them through Jesus Christ. The first thing that stands out that Paul emphasizes to begin his introduction is the character of God. The character of of God. And it's very important because we all have a concept of God. But only a dive into Scripture, realizing the total revelation of God's character of Himself, His redemptive nature from the beginning of Scripture to the end toward those He loves. He's always redemptive toward those He loves. Only understanding biblically his character helps us stand firm as his children in the world that we live in today. And Paul needed to help the Ephesian Christians realize this, just like we do. The character of God. The first thing that stands out is that God actually has a will. Paul begins his introduction. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, how? By the will of God. Do you realize you cannot thwart God's will in your life? You cannot thwart the will of God. You can't mess that one up. Paul, you think about it. Paul had this baggage, by the way. Paul, before he's the great apostle Paul and he's revered by the church and by people of all generations. You realize that dude murdered people? You realize he had a past that he was not proud of. He had some baggage that he had to work through. But when Jesus saved him, it was a blessing. <laughs> 
When Jesus redeemed him, it was something good. And it was God's will to do that in his life, to get him to a point where he could be used by God in such a way to help so many people, not only in Ephesus and in Asia Minor, but even today, come to know how important it is to be saved by God through his kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. Paul became the chief messenger of that. He was persecuted. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was isolated. He was talked about. But he endured all of that because Jesus saved him. And by the will of God in his life, so too by the will of God in your life, there is not one thing that has happened or that is happening or that will happen that catches God by surprise. It's in his character to use everything in your life to bring about good. Your good and the good of those around you. The good of Christians. The good of the church. God is working. It's part of his character. It's part of his goodness to allow his will to be worked out through your life, your story, your sense of where you are even today. God is not absent. God is present. And he is working today through the details, even the ones you do not know or the ones you do not see. He's that good. And only God could do that. That's very important because the character of God, as Paul was revealing to the Ephesians, was way different than the other ones. The other ones would act on a whim. You served them according to how they felt or what sacrifices they needed. And Paul was teaching them not the God of Scripture, not the God who loves you. The Bible describes him as a God of grace. Aren't you grateful for his grace? The Bible describes him as a God of peace. A part of his character is to be at peace with those who trust him. That's a beautiful thing. The Bible describes him as a God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God is not holding out on you. I love it when I see these bumper stickers on these old raggedy beat up cars that say my treasure is in heaven. <laughs> I love it when I see that, you know, because in this life, sometimes you're going to have trials and tribulations, but God is not holding out on his children. He has blessed you. The Bible says he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's not holding out on those who trust him by faith. The real truth of the reality is sometimes we are so blessed and we give God so little that we don't understand spiritual blessings. It wouldn't hurt us sometimes to do without or to give away more to support his work because that sometimes puts us in the exact place to go, God, I trust you. God, you got to come through. God, I know that you have blessed me even when I don't see it. And that's the fascinating thing. God is a God who chooses to bless his children. Even Jesus said it this way. How many of you, when your children ask you for something to eat, you're going to give them a snake? Well, God's not going to do that. God is going to give you something good. He's a God who blesses. It's a part of his character. God chooses us. He chooses us. That's what the Bible says. God chooses you. Part of his whole plan is to choose 
our salvation. Not only is he a God of grace, he is a God that forgives us of our wrongdoings. Anybody thankful for that today? That is the character of God. God's character is forgiveness. That's who he is. He is a God who lavishes on us the riches of his grace. He lavishes on us. He doesn't just give us a little portion. He lavishes. God, for those who trust him by faith, he pours it out on them. He is a God who not only has a will, he has a plan to bring all things together in Christ. He's not a God who's willy-nilly. He's working everything according to plan, and his time is perfect. It says he will bring all time together in Christ. All of it. We don't see that. But it doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing. He's that powerful. It's a part of who he is. He is a God of hope. He is a God who gives hope to his children. Hope in Christ. He is a God who seals us up as his kids. In other words, you don't have to doubt your salvation. Your salvation is guaranteed, held strong. It is sealed. He is a God who seals us in his Holy Spirit and who gives us an inheritance. Wow. These are the first parts of God describing, of Paul describing the character of God. And when he does that, all of the Christians there go, yeah, that's way different than anybody else I know. And any of these other deities. Not only does he reveal the character of God and do I need to hold to the character of God in the midst of this generation. It is the character of God that completes everything in Jesus. Your salvation, this is the second thing. This passage points to the completeness of everything God would do to save you in Christ. The completeness of Christ. Christ is not a secondary savior. Christ is not another savior. Christ is not one of the saints that you would pray to in the midst of everything else in your life. Christ is, Christ is not an addendum. Paul helps the Christians understand when it comes to your salvation, it's Christ or nothing. It is the total completeness of Christ. Look at this. Paul writes the letter to the saints and the faithful in Christ Jesus. He writes it to those in Christ Jesus. Today, everybody wants to feel good and be a part of something and a movement and a group. They want to fit in. That's just kind of the way that our world is going this generation. But listen, Paul helps Christians understand you are saved because of the completeness of Christ over your life. Salvation comes not by your good works. We'll look at that a little bit later. Salvation comes not by you worshiping Christ and some other God just to make sure you got fire insurance. Your coverage is completely and totally dependent upon the sufficiency of Christ. Look at how he says this. In love. Remember, God loves you. So in his love, what did God do? He pre predestined us to adoptions as sons and daughters. How? Through Jesus Christ. Now, there's a bunch of people that argue a lot over these whole topics of God's foreknowledge. Yes, God has foreknowledge. He's God. 
<laughs> he knows the beginning from the end. And people have these dialogues over, well, how does he predestine some to be saved and predestine others to not be? That is a bad misunderstanding of Scripture when you look at it. Because what Paul helps us grasp even today is that you are foreknown and you are predestined. It is God's predetermined plan to save us. How? Through Christ Jesus. There was never a moment from the garden fall in which God covered Adam and Eve with the sacrifice of an innocent animal. All the way through scripture when you see the sacrifice at the Passover of the lamb. All the way through the New Testament when God has Jesus sacrificed as the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There was never a moment that God didn't determine that salvation would happen through the completeness of Christ. Period. It's not on us. It's not on someone else. It's the completeness of who Jesus is that makes us sons and daughters of God. How? Through Jesus Christ. God favors us, he says in verse 6. How? In the beloved. We have redemption. How? Through his blood and the forgiveness of our sins. We are lavished with the riches of grace. How? In him. He made known to us the good pleasure of his will, the mystery of faith. How did God do that? In Christ, it says. It goes on and says, we have obtained an inheritance that has been predestined according to the purpose of who? Of him who works all things according to his plan. How? In him we receive that. Also, you have received the gospel, the message of truth. How did you receive the gospel, the message of truth? Verse 13, in him you heard this. You were sealed. Sealed how? Sealed in Christ. How? By the work of his spirit. All of these things happen for you. The blessing of salvation happens for you. Because the character of God, he wants that in your life. And he made it happen because of the completeness of Christ. Wow! That helps me go, salvation is a really big deal and it's important to be saved. And that brings me to the final thing that I see in this passage. So what's my part? What's your part? When I think about the character of God and the completeness of Christ... The blessing of salvation is not merely to just go, oh, I'm saved. And now I just get to go on and keep doing it my way. I get to keep going on and being the same. Well, what does that mean? What does salvation mean? I love it when I have dialogues with people in the world and I'll try to ask them a question about faith. And you know what people always do? They throw up a title. Well, I'm this or I'm this religion. Or, or, or I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Catholic, or I'm, I don't know what I am, right? I mean, you got all kinds of stuff out there that people believe today. What does it mean for you to know the character of God towards you and the completeness of God's love through Jesus and his kindness towards you to receive that? What does it mean to be saved? The third thing that stands out in this passage is the consecration of the Christian. The consecration of 
of the Christian. Now, you know me, sometimes I don't like to use big church words because not everybody understands big church words. But to be consecrated means that you have been set apart in your life for an entirely different purpose. To be consecrated means that you were valuable enough to be rescued from one way and set in a total different direction in which your life would obtain extreme value. Matter of fact, not only would you be set apart for that greatness, you would do it gladly because the person that rescued you, it meant so much to you that you had been saved by that person that you would do anything for them because they paid a price that you could not pray. pay. That is consecration. You get a glimpse of this in Acts chapter 19 from the servant girl who is set free from her bondage by Jesus. And she no longer has to serve the pimps in her life who were using her for their own glory. She's set free by Jesus and giving a, given a whole different direction. Do you think she valued her salvation? Absolutely. That's the picture you get in Acts chapter 19. She was consecrated for a different purpose than she had been living out before. She was called by God for a different purpose than she had experienced before. What's some of the consecrating factors of your life as we close? Number one, the Bible calls you saints. Who that? Right? The Bible calls you saints. And listen, that's, that's not limited to when you got a good quarterback or you don't know what's going to happen, right? That's not limited to when your season's shut down or are we going to have a season. That's not limited to have we renewed your tickets yet or we don't know where we're going to seat you. It's not limited to can you watch it on TV or not? No, you are a saint because you have been redeemed by Jesus, period. And you don't have to be popular or, or on ESPN or write the titles. You're a saint because Jesus loves you and he saved you. That's part of being consecrated. You belong to him because of what he paid to set you free. Consecrated the saints. It says to the saints and those who are faithful. To enter into salvation means you have to have faith. You have to have faith. Faith is that response toward God. It's a consecrating moment. God, I choose you. Jesus, I choose you. You chose me. So I'm responding back with a yes. Consecrated. When I look at the scripture, we get grace. We get peace. We are people of grace who have received grace and therefore we should show grace. And we have received peace and therefore we show peace. We are people who are blessed. Are you blessed today? We are people who have received those heavenly blessings. That's consecrated. Those are blessings that you may not see today, but what you do today ensures that they are there tomorrow. That's what it means to be consecrated. We are people who are chosen. Chosen by Jesus. Chosen by God because of what he did. We are people who are holy and blameless before him. You feel a little holy today? Sometimes your unholiness and your blameless stuff... Yeah, you don't feel that, see that, experience that, but it's not about you. It's working through those things in Him. 
In Him you are set free. In Him you are holy, set apart. In Him you are forgiven. Do you realize part of your consecration as a Christian is that you are forgiven? Now, people are not going to forgive you. Your friends, when you cross them, you'll find out who your friends are. Or when they don't like you anymore, when they don't need you anymore. Or when they don't want to talk to you anymore, when you've been rejected by someone. Listen, Jesus is with you there. You don't need their approval. You need his grace, mercy, forgiveness, and his love. You're loved. That's part of the consecration of the Christian. You're loved. There is never a moment when you are without God's love. Never. That's the consecration of the Christian. We have riches which are lavished upon us by his grace. We have obtained an inheritance. You have a home in heaven. Guaranteed. There are many rooms in my father's house. And if it weren't so, Jesus said in John chapter 14, I would have told you. But where I'm going, I'm going so that I will prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may also be. There's an inheritance waiting on you. You are consecrated because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The moment that you professed genuine, authentic faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came and entered your life. Don't let anybody mistake, misinterpret, or misuse Scripture to tell you that if you don't have this and you don't have that and you're not doing this, you're not saved. Baloney. You have been sealed, consecrated by the Holy Spirit of God who calls you, who seals you as a child of God. This all comes when you believe in Jesus authentically, genuinely. You become a part of the church. And that's why Paul would write in these first few verses, it's important to be a part of God's eternal plan to build his church. That's why it matters. The character of God, the completeness of Christ, and the consecration of Christians who take the blessing of salvation and they begin to let it not only influence their lives, but they share it with others. What a great book. What a great way to start the summer, right? And what a great way for you to continue to think about what God is doing next. Can we pray together? As we bow our heads and we close our eyes today, I don't want to miss a moment. Perhaps for those of you in our online family or for those of you in the room today, there may be someone today. And as I talk about the completeness of salvation in Jesus Christ, you're not certain that you have that. Sure, you may have gone to church. Sure, you may be familiar with the word God, the name Jesus, the things of the church. But it's not something that's been personal to you. You've never said yes to the kindness of God toward you through his son, Jesus Christ. And you've never said, God, genuinely, I need to be saved by Jesus today. If you know that is you and right now that is stirring in your heart, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now. That is the Holy Spirit trying to help you understand. He wants to seal you up as a son, as a daughter of God, to bring you into the family of faith. And you can enter that family of faith 
by genuinely from your heart right now saying, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being the kind of God that would reach out to me. And thank you that you did it through a perfect Savior, your Son, Jesus. Today, with all of my heart, I ask him to come into my life to set me free from the things that bind me up and to move me forward as your child in the Holy Spirit for the rest of this life. If you've prayed that today in the room, I'd like for you with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you just lift your hand to Jesus right now. If that's something that you prayed and you meant with all of your heart, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. You have. Yes. Amen. You have entered into the family of God. This is a promise for you today. And God never breaks a promise. For those of you online, if that's something that God has done in your life today, then I'm going to encourage you. Send us a note. Let us know who you are and what you did today in praying to Jesus to save you. That's what it means to be a part of the church, the family of God. Today, many of you have walked into it, and I thank God for that. Father, I thank you for all of your children today, sons and daughters who have been adopted in by your love and your grace and your mercy toward us in the beloved Jesus Christ, your son. Thank you for those who today have claimed salvation in Jesus' name. And thank you for those who are continuing to work it out and walk through it, even in the midst of this world. Strengthen your church, build your body, and do your work even in our generation as we trust in you. In the mighty name above every name, the name of Jesus and all God's children said together, amen and amen. Look, it's so good to worship with you on this first Sunday of the summer. And let me encourage you, continue to be a part of what's next at Calvary. We are going to continue not only to build the church and fix the church on the exterior and some interior things, we're going to build you as people, as leaders, as we get ready to launch into a wonderful fall. Thank you for giving to our online family. You can do that digitally for those of you in the room. You can do that as you leave. Look, if you missed out on the moment to be a part of the next building campaign, continue to give your gifts, continue to think, but not just think and pray. Make that three-year commitment, that three-year pledge. We're going to knock this thing out together. We're going to continue to be the people of God working hard in New Orleans because we're the saints, right? And we're the people who are going to make it happen because Jesus has saved us. And we're going to help other people know who he is. And that's our purpose as a part of his plan. I'm so grateful for you. 